back to the Retort Podcast. We hope you guys have had a great week so far. Uh, staying, catching up with your homework, uh, staying on top of things. Um, I, I feel like I've been doing okay on my homework, but I've just been so anxious for like no reason. Yep. So like I, I get all my homework done, but I'm just still sitting, sitting here like a ball of anxiety and I have no reason. Like all my homework's done. Mm-hmm. It's just the lasting effects, I guess. I think we're at that point in the semester where we're all just a little bit exhausted yep, and sure. ready to be done. Yeah. For sure, especially since the weather's getting nice, like it feels like summer out, and it's like I feel like I shouldn't be inside doing homework right now. <laughs> but we only have what? How many weeks left? We're in week nine. Yeah, we're like week nine. I think like five more. Five more weeks. Five more weeks, I believe. Yeah, something like that. Don't quote us, but we can finish strong. We yep. got this. Oh yeah. We got this. So, did you watch the Oscars last night, Jordan? She, I was asleep by eight. I had a kid. Did you have morning practice? Oh no. Oh. I just like just tired. Yeah, just I guess I just like felt like drained. Uh huh. Drained to the point like where I was just like, I, I just like I remember just laying on my bed and I was, I was like, I thought she would take a nap. Next to know when I woke up, it was like, it was pretty much like one in the morning. I was like, oh. All oh. Right. <laughs> I guess I guess I'm gonna go back to sleep. Yeah, no kidding. I've done that before. I've uh. Like, on Sundays, sometimes it's so nice just to go to bed early, mm-hmm. especially if you've been doing things all weekend. It's like, I just need to get, like, 15 hours of sleep. Yeah. <laughs> One time I went to bed at 7.30, and I woke up at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning just wide awake. I was like, I should do this every day. This is great. But, no, um, if you watched the Oscars last night or were on social media at all, immediately after, you would see that Will Smith smacked the heck out of Chris Rock. Um, did you see that? Yeah, yeah. Like as soon as I woke up this morning, when I went to go eat breakfast in the cafeteria, I looked on my phone. Of course, looked on social media. Like I think like first place I looked on Facebook. There's all like bunch of memes about. Yeah. About oh, it's so all the memes are so funny. Everyone's saying, um, "Well, Smith got in one little fight," because that's from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yep. Um. Yeah. My brother, my baby brother's just been sending me TikToks about it, <laughs> like all day. Cause I he's the first time I I didn't watch the Oscars. Um. My boyfriend and I rented a movie last night, so we didn't watch the Oscars, but uh, my little brother sent me a TikTok and like just like explained everything. I was like, holy crap, that's so embarrassing. I would be so embarrassed to be Will Smith. <laughs> yeah, especially with your situation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, so what happened? <clears throat> if you're living under a rock, what happened is Chris, I mean, Will Smith's wife, are they still married? Because oh, yeah, I know she cheated married. on him, right? Yeah. Um, Chris... Why do I keep saying Chris's? Will Smith's wife, Jada, uh, has alopecia, which is a condition in which your hair falls out. Uh, Lots of people have it. It's um, more common than you think it is. Uh, But because of that, she uh, shaved her head bald. And that was her look for the Oscars was a bald head. Mm -hmm. And Chris Rock said something about her being G.I. Jane, you know, because she has a shaved head. Yeah. And he's everyone's laughing. Um. And then Will Smith just gets up and struts right onto the stage of the Oscars and just absolutely bitch slaps him. Yep. <laughs> That's the only way I could think. Excuse my French. He bitch slapped him. And he didn't even like punch him. It was definitely open-handed. Just a good old smack right to the face. Could you imagine being Chris Rock? I would just keep on continuing the jokes no matter what. I, I, I don't even know what I would do. I would probably cry. 
if I was Chris Rock, I would probably like run off stage and cry. <laughs> yeah, I think I might just keep throwing on jokes. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. I feel like if I had alopecia and someone said I looked like G.I. Jane, my boyfriend would just laugh at me. He'd be like, yeah, you do. Haha, ha, that's funny. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like maybe she's like really insecure about it. And that's why um, Chris Rock's jokes like kind of struck a chord with Will Smith. Uh, and Chris Rock shouldn't be – he should mind his own business, I think. But I don't think he meant to offend anybody with his comments. It's just absolutely wild. On live national television, just punched him right in the face. Do you know how he, like, Chris Rock continued? I'm not quite sure. Me either. I feel like I, feel like I would just leave. I'd be like, okay, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. No. <laughs> I just got my my – bell rung pretty much he hit him hard um yeah and he was like wow will smith just punched me in the face and he was like laughing about it mm-hmm. and i think he was laughing just because he couldn't believe like what had just happened oh yeah <laughs> um and he was like that must might might have been the greatest moment on national television is what chris rock said so oh yeah now he's gonna make a he's mostly gonna make like a comedy special out of it uh-huh <laughs> oh i'm sure he's gonna write it into his skits you know yep. like watch out for will smith <laughs> yeah and then um as he's saying that will smith is yelling keep my wife's name out of your effing mouth mm-hmm. and chris rock's like okay bro geez calm down <laughs> he's like i'm sorry i didn't i didn't mean to offend anybody so yeah that happened and all the memes Top tier. Yep. A plus. And Love it, it. Yep. And internet remains undefeated. Yep. No kidding. It makes you think like, do you think it was like a publicity stunt? Like they had it planned? Or do you think Will Smith's just unhinged? I think it's both. You think so? Yep. It's definitely, I don't know, drew a lot of attention to the Oscars. Yep. Definitely. Because if, if the Oscars just went on normally, nobody would have been talking about them. Like yep. they are now. I mean, they would have talked about them, but not like they are now, you know? Oh, yeah. Like I didn't watch the Oscars, but... I've seen that clip many times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, do you think Will Smith was in the right to defend his his wife's honor? That's, I feel like that's like the only time she ever done that. He didn't say anything about when Augusta with his entanglement entanglement with his wife uh-huh. with August. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like it was something. It's something you do. You laugh about on TV, and then if you feel like you need to punch him, you'd punch him backstage. You know, not on live national television. I would never have the balls to walk up on the stage of the Oscars and punch the ho- or slap the host in the face. Oh. I would never be able to do that. And it really depends. It goes by case by case, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, but just me personally? Oh, my gosh. Cringe. I cringe so hard. But if, I mean, if she's really insecure about it, and her, the jokes really hurt her feelings, I guess, you know? Like, I don't know. I feel like it was like a spur-of-the-moment thing, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, that was fun. Our pool tournament happened on Friday. How'd that go, Jordan? It went great. Received a lot of great compliments. It did. Some people were asking what's the next one's going to be. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. That's for sure. It was very intense competition. I did not expect people to bring their A game like that. Yeah, especially their first game. Yeah, I was like, whoa. Everybody came ready. <laughs> um, congrats on our three top uh, finishers. Third place is Devin Williams, who is also your ASMSUB vi- 
president, not vice president. Um, second place was Mike Vo, and he's a pool shark of his own volition. And our champion was Mohammed Alshradi. I hope I'm not saying that wrong. Mohammed, if you're listening, I apologize if I butchered your last name. But great job to everybody that participated. We definitely had a lot of fun um, joking around with everybody. And uh, it was just, it was a great time. It was a great idea, Jordan. Yeah. Good job. We'll definitely have to do something like that again. Uh, what was your favorite part? Probably like when it came down to the last wire between Mohammed and yeah. Mike. Yeah. That was that was crazy. I have that video actually. I'll post it on our Facebook. The video of Muhammad making it was Muhammad against Mike for the championship, and of him making that eight ball. It was just the eight ball left. One of them, whoever made the eight ball, won, and Muhammad made it, and the whole everyone went crazy. It was so cute. It was so fun. So fun. Definitely a great event for sure. All right, without further ado, it's time for Stories with Jordan. All right, so for the first story, first story is called Vanish, Vanish from the Vatican, story of 15-year-old Emanuela Orlandi, as, as I found the story basically from, from Google as I was looking through like different stories, what to look for, look, decides to which stories to figure out what to tell. And I was reading reading the story. This story I found it very inter- interesting, since involved, since it apparent it's allegedly involved the mafia, the Vatican, as well as like another like a like a terrorist group and such. And it's very interesting, interesting how this story takes place. And to get to get started, the story. The, so you know, so basically, to start the story, how it, it started off as from from the mafia to the Vatican pedophile ring. The suspect corporates behind the 1983 Emanuela Orlandi disappearance make this a truly chilling tale. Emanuel Orlandi has been missing since June 22, 1983, when this 15-year-old daughter of a Vatican official was, offici- was la- op- officially was last seen after a music class in Rome. Theories surrounding Orlandi's disappearance have, have seen am- amateur sleuths point fingers at corporates ranging from the Catholic Church to the mafia, to a Turkish fascist group, the mystery has never been solved, or and her body has never ever been found. The case has gained renewed attention thanks to chilling new evidence. A promising 2019 lead involving Vatican City bones believed to be her seemed to point authorities in the right direction for the first time in more than 35 years. Through investigators' hope, were quickly dashed once again. Today, the disappearance of Emanuela Orlandi remains no closer to being solved, and no less haunting of a mystery i love me uh love me a good mystery yep when we thought we were in the safest place globally we call emanuelo orlandi's brother petro petro of the vatican upbringing and through they live in a small tight-knit community where their where their father was a powerful official their home turf proved anything but safe on june 22nd 1983 she's been been taking flute lessons three years a week Wait, three days a week at at a local music school, and that's precisely what what she was she was up to when she vanished. She made it to class and recall recall her sister afterward, but but never showed up back home. That call to her sister was the last known contact anyone has ever had with her. Emanuela Orlandi was officially declared miss declared a missing person the next day. The investigation was how was underway is as several tips quickly wrote. 
two suggestions in particular, one on June 25th and another on June 28th, seem like they might lead investigators in the right direction. The first caller referring himself as Pier Luigi said have seen Orlandi in Rome that day and provided details about her flute and clothing that made investigators believe he was telling the truth. He added that the girl called herself Bar Barbarella and ran away from home to sell Avon products, which is something Orlandi had mentioned to her sister before disappearing. The second caller on June 28 told authorities that he had also met a young woman similar to Nate Barbara who had run away from home. This man claimed to have seen her at a bar near the music school, crediting his story. But then subsequently, Tipster started talking about a conspiracy involving a Turkish terrorist group called the Grey Wolves, and the plans to kidnap and then exchange Orlandi for one of their own, an assassin who's been in prison for shooting the Pope two years earlier. Besides, besides those involving the Turkish terrorist group, there is no shortage of intriguing theories surrounding Emanuela Orlandi's disappearance. The presumed death with the Vatican and the surrounding area area a hub of spiritual power and the mafia power. Those groups who often came under suspicion. The mafia theories largely revolve around Rome-based criminal syndicate known as the Banda della Magdalena, led by Enrico di Pedis. The theory states that, there, that the cartel had loans large sums of money to the Vatican Bank but wasn't paid back what they were owned. So they declared that taking a Vatican official's daughter for ransom was the way to get their money back. Okay, I'm not going to lie. Kind of got lost for a second there. So, walk me through it. Emanuela yep. goes missing Yep. in the Vatican. Yep. And we're thinking terrorist groups got her. Yeah. For what reason? Like sex trafficking? Uh, so, the terrorist group. So, so basically, the terrorist group had one of their own, own assassins taken away for arrested for attempted murder by the Pope. Pope okay. Vatican, so that's where that first theory, theory originally came from. So the terrorist group, one of their assassins got arrested. Yep. Because he shot the Pope. Attempted. Yeah, tried to shoot the Pope. Yeah. Can't do that. It's bad. Yep. Out of all people to try to shoot, the Pope is <laughs> someone you don't, you don't mess with. Yep. And how does that relate to Emanuela? So basically, so basically, since since they can't get their assassin back from the from the criminal criminal group or whoever arrested them. Okay. So then they figure, you know what, you know, since we can't get our own person, our own assassin back, let's just take the, take the Vatican. Okay. So they just, she was just a victim of opportunity. They just grabbed her and they're like, give us our assassin back and we'll give yep. her. That's the theory at least? Yeah. Okay. That's the first theory. Okay. I'm with you now. Then the second theory involves the, involves the mafia apparently loaning large sums of money to the, to the Vatican bank, in which case the Vatican bank didn't pay, pay off the mafia back. So, so in return, let's just so in return they decide to take the official's daughter in order for a ransom oh. in order to get the money back. Emanuela is the official's daughter. No, so the so the so the official daughter the official's daughter is a is Emanuela. Oh, okay, okay, I missed that part. All right, it makes sense now. Yep. Gray was my met Ali Aka tried to tried to assassinate Pope. John the second in in the Vatican on May 13, 19, 1981, shooting him four times, but but not managing to kill him, and was captured immediately. Anonymous tips to authorities have come in supporting this theory. And Dee Pittis, one-time girlfriend, later went on went on the record claiming that he he told her that he he indeed kidnapped Orlandi. However, hard evidence is thin, and police search of the gangster tomb, which 
One tester claimed would contain DNA evidence providing the theory turned up nothing. The proof of Grey Wolf's theory seems to have more, more evidence behind it. Several anonymous, anonymous cautious authorities in the weeks following the disappearance suggested that the Turkish terrorists were holding Orlandis in ho Orlandi in hopes of exchanging for her for Agka. In one particular said a man identified by authorities as quote-unquote the American due to his accent even identified the June 25th and June 28th tipsters as part of his organization and spoke of an actual plan for the exchange for Akka within 20 days. However, the Vatican did not take the call seriously and nothing new, nothing ever came from, came of it. But perhaps the most disturbing theory about Orlandi's case states that the Vatican, local police, and regional lawmakers had plotted to kidnap young girls like Emanuela Orlandi and force them into sexual servitude. The Telegraph reports that the sex parties also involve foreign diplomats, the theory, theory claims. Yeah, that unfortunately that happens a lot. Yeah. The young girls are abducted and forced to do sexual favors. It's really sad. Yep. And the, the allegation isn't entirely dismissible. Uh, so one who, who came forth with, with, with Father Gabriel uh, and more the Vatican's chief esoteric Esther Christ, who was appointed by John Paul II himself, um, Amorth, and said Orlandi was sexually abused and eventually killed and disposed of. This was a crime with, with a sexual motive, he said. Parties were organized with the Vatican Gendarmerie uh, acting, acting as the recruiter for the girls. The network involved diplomatic personnel from a foreign embassy to the Holy See. I believe Emanuela ended up as a victim of this circle. But whatever the motives, Orlandi's families had had primarily focused on recovering her remains and finding some kind of closure. And plenty of those kinds of tips came, has come in since 1983. Over the nearly four decades since Emanuela Orlandi's disappearance, authorities have followed countless leads and filled scores of tips in hopes of finally putting this mystery to bed. And perhaps no information was more was more excited than the, that of of the 2019 letter claiming to reveal, the f reveal her final resting place. Orlandi's father, family lawyer, Laura Zygro, received an incredible ominous note earlier that year that contained a photograph of her tomb beneath the Vatican and directions to, quote-unquote, look where the angel is pointing, said the marble angel guarding the cryptic in their question. The anonymous tip gathered the attention at the Vatican's highest-ranking officials with spokes spokesman Ale Alessandro Gisotti chiming in to diplomatically address the situation. I can confirm that the letter by Emanuela La Orlandi's family has been received, said Gisotti, and the request it contains will be studied. What made this tip especially intriguing is the scientific test on the tube following the delivery of the letter suggested that the tomb had been opened at least once recently enough for Orlandi's remains to have been stashed inside. Furthermore, in the letter to the Vatican, Sigro said that she had been able to verify, the, verify that some people knew there was a chance, chance Emmanuel Orlandi's body had been hidden in the tomb, plus evidence that un. un that unidentified visitors have been frequently this particular tomb as flowers have been left behind at the site. All, all was left to do was search the cryptic and see if the remains of Emanuela Orlandi were actually inside. That's spooky. 
Thanks to an anonymous tips, when the angel letter came in the light in, in 2019, it wasn't the first time the Orlandi family had gotten their hopes up. The family collectively held its breath when the Vatican discovered human remains on its property in October 2018, only to be left disappointed when the remains turned out to belong to unrelated victims. Sadly, this was what happened once again in Ju July 2019 when the search of the tomb turned up no remains. There were no human remains nor funerary urns, said Vatican spokesperson Alessandro Gestali. The tomb led to an expansive underground space completely empty and there was no human remains. It was a massive blow for the Orlandis family who searched for the missing girl's remains and much dedication and patience for nearly four decades. We expected everything today, but not to find, find two empty tombs, said Cedro on behalf of the family. We wanted to know why we were s sent there and why there was nothing Nothing brother Pedro Orlandi noted. Part of me part of me was relieved that Emanuela was not there, adding adding that his family had gone so used to this wild goose chase, illusions and disillusions. Still he said, I was surprised that there was nothing. Nothing was found, it remains note noteworthy that the Vatican showed a sudden change in heart in terms of their cooperation in this matter. Pedro Orlandi said that he asked the Vatican multiple times to assist assist in searching for her missing sister and was quote-unquote positive, positively surprised. And when they finally gave him for the first time in 36 years, the Vatican has concretely done something important, which signals to change of position. He explained when he was asked, asked Pope Francis for help in 2013 when he was merely told that his sister was in heaven and, and, that, were, and that was that. Pedro Orlandi even, even speculated the Vatican's refusal to help seem like an admin admission to that there was a possibility of internal responsibility on their part. But even when, even with the Vatican's cooperation, the case of Emanuela Orlandi's disappearance has, has again gone cold. But the search will continue at least as long as the missing girl's family is around to keep, keep hope alive. Even if, no, even if nothing was, was to be found, Peter Orlandi said the tomb was opened in 2019. It cannot be the end of this story. That was a ride. <laughs> okay, so, oh my goodness, my microphone keeps shocking my lips. It's electric. Ooh. Okay, so this girl goes missing. How old was she when she went missing? Uh, she was 15. Oh, so she was just a kid. Yeah. That's really sad. And they're thinking terrorists. They're thinking... Even the Vatican could have had a hand in it yep. themselves. Mm -hmm. It really is a classic whodunit, you know? Yep. And the fact that she's still missing, I mean, she it's possible she could be alive somewhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, she went missing in the 80s? Yeah. She'd be what? 60s, 50s, 60-year-old now? Mm-hmm. That's terrible. It's very unlikely, I will say that she's still alive um but it is possible goodness i cannot imagine having anybody near me go missing like that never to be found again mm. it would be so hard huh dang that was wild <laughs> yeah it's like a wild goose chase yeah it really just leaves you thinking you know like what could have happened to her mm. where'd she go and it's just absolutely crazy that people just disappear sometimes oh yeah and they don't people don't just disappear usually nine times out of ten something happens to them but nobody will ever know 
Oh, yeah. It, like, makes me think of, like, how many people are in the ocean, at mm. the bottom of the ocean floor, oh you yeah. know? Or, or how many planes have been disappeared just by flying through the Berlin, tri- mm-hmm. Berlin Triangle. Things just vanish. Crazy. Yep. Crazy, crazy. Got another one for me? Yep. Hit me with it. All right. So story number two. So so this story is very interesting as this involves involves a wealthy a wealthy mili- a wealthy millionaire who just suddenly who was suddenly on a plane, then all of a sudden just that just like fell out of his plane. I guess how that's how I best describe it. Just yeeted himself out. Yep. Like allegedly. Cannonball. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Like that's that's the feeling that I got when I was researching this yeah. story. Yeah, he was a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. Was it on like his own plane? No, uh, I, I believe so. Like somebody, w- like he was on a private plane. Oh, okay. Then all of a sudden, gets like I don't know. Apparently, like one of the doors just popped open, and then he just fell out. Well, if the doors pop open, all the pressure is gonna rip him out of there. Oh so yeah. Maybe that's what happened. But the door shouldn't just pop open. So I'm very, yeah. I'm very curious. So. Alright, so this story is called Mysterious Death of Alfred Lowenstein. The disappearance of Alfred Lowenstein is one of the most baffling mysteries in modern American history. Belgian financer Alfred Lowenstein was the third richest person on earth when he was supposedly fell out of his private plane on July 4, tw- 1928 in a bizarre quote-unquote accident that left aviation experts baffled. The third richest man in the world, the Belgian-born banker e- epitomized the wealth and excessive excess of the Gilded Age. One year before the 1929 stock market crash led to the Great Depression, however, he vanished by allegedly falling out of an airplane. On July 4, 1928, Lowenstein boarded his private plane and departed Croydon Airport in England and returned to Brussels. It was a routine trip that took that he took pretty often with his staff. The skies were clear as Lowenstein rose to rose to the laboratory only to report reportedly mis- mistake the real aircraft exit for the door and stepping right out of the plane. Lewinstein pl- pilot, mechanic, and four passengers were allegedly unaware of what happened until his secretary, Arthur Hoggetson, found the rear door flapping in the wind. But the mysterious of what truly happened, happened to Alfred Lewinstein remained unsolved to this day. See, I was thinking this happened a couple years ago. I was like, how the heck would you fall out of a modernized plane? But in 1920s, it's a little bit more believable. Yeah. Born in, born in March 11, 1877, Alfred Len- Leonard Lowenstein came from a long line of blue, blue-blooded bankers. Taught well by his father, Bernard, a German-Jewish financer, he established the Belgian-based banking concern Society Internationality in in Grandi Hydroelectricity, which targeted developing nations across the globe. By by supplying third world countries with electric power facilities, Lewinstein made a fortune. He invested in commodities like synthetic silk precisely before they skyrocketed. With a passion for aviation and hundreds of flights under his belt, Lewinstein was, was was cherished by flying financier of Belgium. When World War I erupted, Lewinstein had become one of the most powerful men in Europe. This was evident when, he, when after the Belgian government went into exile as, as a neutral country following the German, Germany's invasion, Lewinstein offered the government $50 million without interest to buy all the country's debt himself. With the offer declined, he moved to England and opened a holding company in 1926 uh, during the Warring Twenties alone. 
One investment earned him more than $1 million. He was, he was being consulted by the heads of state, companion of the most honorable order of the bath by the British government. Alfred Lewinstein also became known as the mystery man of Europe and the Belgian Santa Claus. Before his death, the dirt richest man reportedly had sites to set, set on profitable deals in America. I had always made, made use of what is called American methods, said Lewinstein. I like American energy, American efficiently, efficiency. In many ways, my point of view is similar to that of American businessmen. That is why I like to deal with him and feel at home in his, in his country. Alfred Lewinstein faithfully departed for, the br for Brussels on July 4th. The, the Fokker trim motor took off around 6 p.m. The flight manifested included his pilot, Donald Drew, mechanic Robert Little, valet Fred Baxter, secretary author Hawk Hawkinson, and, ster and stern sternographers Eileen Clark and Paula Bidelon. The airplane was crushing over the English Channel at 4,000 feet when Lewinstein excused himself to go to the laboratory. He never returned from the plane's rear and his absence was discovered. Drew made an immediate emergency, immediately emergency landing on, on a beach near Dunkirk, seized by the French military which occupied the territory. All six passengers were questioned. The British Air Ministry concluded tests on the plane on July 12th, concluding it would have been impossible to open the rear door without slipstream slamming it shut. Lewinstein's body was fished from the water near near Bougainville a week later. Identified by his wristwatch, Alfred Lewinstein's body showed no signs of foul play. He, his fractured skull and broken bones were blamed on the impact, and his death was ruled an accident. Still, theories pro proliferate that he had been killed at the behest of his inheritance or committed suicide before his empire collapsed. Even, even supposedly he had lost a few tens of millions of, of frank francs, one of his friends argued that that would never have influenced him to leap into the void. Anonymously, his his son Robert would shoot one of his servants for mysterious reasons a few years later and die in an airplane accident in 1941. Before Alfred Lewinstein said the friend, friend of kings and colossal wealthy tycoon controlled rubber plantations in Congo, coal properties in German, in German and, the chief, and was a chief shareholder in Belgium's railway system. And while to this day there is no official indication of foul play, Lewinstein had undoubtedly made his enemies who stood Stood to, stood to benefit vastly from his fall. So the only other person on the plane with him was the pilot? It was his pilot and a couple other people. A couple other people? Yeah. So obviously those couple other people are the main suspects. Yeah. But like he, had, he wasn't suicidal or anything, was he? No. Nah. So he had no reason to jump out himself. Mm -hmm. It would have been almost impossible with the pressure from the fact that the plane was flying keeping the door closed yeah so how did he get out of his plane it doesn't make any sense yeah that's a real question <laughs> how, uh. and then they found him in the ocean yeah yeah someone must have just pushed him out yeah but, but according to his according to his coroner report there was basically no signs of foul play as he basically had a fractured skull and broken bones due to the impact of hitting the water yeah. Or possibly you just might have drowned. That's what I'm thinking. Well, I'm sure the water, from that height, the water water turns to concrete when you're from that height. I'm sure the water is what killed him. Yeah. I just don't know how we got out of that plane. Mm-hmm. And how nobody noticed. Yep. 
everyone just do to do nobody realized that he fell out like that doesn't make any sense no something's fishy here yeah something's f- going on okay it's like my theory is that they all work together to eat him out yep that's my theory i don't know why because they could get his money maybe yeah yeah that's insane I hate those mysteries like that where there's, like, no true answer. Have you ever heard the story of the Dyatlov Pass? I've heard parts of it, but I'm not too real. It's mind-boggling. Like, these people went up camping, and they were found torn to bits. And, like, some were frozen, some were, some were torn. Their eyes were missing. Their tongues were missing. Mm-hmm. It, some were shot. I, no, I don't know if some were shot. But it, it, it makes no sense. It's just stories like that where I'm like, okay... I just want to know what happened so bad. Yep. <laughs> like when I die, that'll be the first thing I ask is what happened to in the Dyatlov Pass. And then um, JonBenet Ramsey is a big one. Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard of that one? Yeah. I want to know what happened to her, too. Those are my two big ones. That'll be my first questions. Oop. Dang. Do you have any other ones? No, those two are for today. Perfect. Well, thank you, Jordan. For sure. Stories are always so enlightening. Now, Jordan and I, how old are you, Jordan? 23. I'm 20. Dang. So we are kind of adults, right? Yep. I mean, we've been we've been on our own for, you've been on your own since you were? Probably like 20, as soon as I graduated from high school. Okay. Yeah, me too. Well, not, I, that's not true. I've never really been truly on my own. I've yep. been living away from my parents since I was 18. Oh, yeah. But my parents are always, you know, my parents always support me and everything. So I can't oh, yeah. say that I'm truly on my own. But I've been living without them for two years now. Oh, yeah. And in that time, I have figured out a few things. Mm-hmm. Uh, trial and error, if you will. Yeah. And I'm sure you have lots of experience because you've been, you know, traveling and, and doing all this stuff. And living in different states, mm-hmm. like 18, 16 plus hours away from home. So we thought we could talk about adulting and what adults do and how you, too, can accomplish those things. Yep. Now, take this with a grain of salt. I am legally an adult, but uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't identify as an adult mm. quite yet. <laughs> yeah. But I have figured some stuff out in my time. And... Uh, I'd love to share it. So, um, dentist appointments. Nobody likes a dentist. I think out of every doctor, the dentist is one of the most hated. You know, you got uh, the the hygienist scraping your teeth. Yeah. Oh, that's got to be the worst feeling ever. You know, like getting those tools and just the, I can feel it. If I think too hard about it, mm-hmm. ugh, it makes me want to throw up. Yep. I actually just had to go to the dentist this morning. I had three fillings, mm-hmm. three, which I don't know how that happened because, I mean, I take pretty good care of my teeth, I think. I brush them every day, twice a day. Mm-hmm. I don't floss as much as I should, but who does floss as much as they should, right? Yeah. <laughs> flossing is, like, it's very easy to ignore your flossing needs. Oh, yeah. But you're supposed to go to the dentist for cleaning every six months. Yeah. Um, I go to Yellowstone Family Dental, which is right on 27th. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, they're booked through October, though, so... If you need uh, to make a dentist appointment, uh, I would maybe go somewhere else. But I do love Yellowstone Family Dental. 
And all you do is you call them up, you say, hey, I'm a first-time patient. I would like to uh, make an appointment to get my teeth cleaned. Mm -hmm. And they'll set you up. Um, bring your insurance card if you have it. If you don't, I don't think cleanings cost too much. And they're so worth it in the long run. Mm -hmm. um, just having good teeth will save you a lot of money later on down the road. Having good hygiene. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of people who don't take care of their teeth in their younger years. And then they have to get veneers or uh, dentures or... Um, just lots of mouth surgeries mm -hmm. and mouth surgery is not fun. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I had braces twice. Mm -hmm. um, the first time I had them, I was in like third grade. Mm -hmm. I was I didn't have I hadn't lost all my baby teeth yet, mm -hmm. and I had them because I had a really bad underbite, mm -hmm. like a bulldog, you yep. know, yep. like gish. <laughs> and uh, they fixed my underbite, but. After I got them off, my I lost my baby teeth and my new teeth, my adult teeth, grew in. I had a big old gap again, so mm -hmm. that was fun. So then, um, like my eighth grade, I think it was sixth through freshman year, mm -hmm. maybe. Yep. I had to wear braces again, mm -hmm. and that was not fun. Braces are not fun. <laughs> They're so worth it, though. I'm so thankful that. Uh, I had the opportunity to wear braces, mm -hmm. but yes, make your dentist appointments every six months. And when you're there for your cleaning, make the next appointment because you'll forget and they'll remind you if you make it while you're there. Mm -hmm. So make sure you're doing that. Doctor visits. Now I'm kind of preaching to the choir on this one because I don't really go to the doctor unless I have something wrong with myself mm -hmm. that I need to get checked out, which you should all do. Mm -hmm. But according to la google you're supposed to go to the doctor once every two or three years mm -hmm. if you're generally healthy yep. um other than that go when you need to mm -hmm. um after you turn 50 however you're supposed to go once a year mm -hmm. for just a general checkup yep. and i think it's important because we grow up getting physicals mm -hmm. um you have to go to the doctor and they have to make sure you're fit to play sports yep. or at least they did in my did you do that in New Mexico? I would imagine you did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do it in college too. Though. Oh, yeah. yeah. I bet. I bet. Yeah, you have to get a clean bill of health, right? You yep. can't play basketball if you have a broken leg. <laughs> like, oh, no. Or asthma. They have to take account of your asthma and tell your coaches and everything. It's just, it's just the whole thing. And then after high school, if you're not in college sports, you don't do that anymore. No. So it's like you just every now and then just get in there, get a checkup. Do what you got to do. You need to take care of yourselves. Yep. Our bodies are machines, and they work best when we take care of them. Yeah. Speaking of machines, Jordan, do you have a car? Nope. Right on. Uh -huh. um, I have been lucky enough to have a car since I got my license mm -hmm. because my parents are sweet, and I don't live in a different state like you do. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm sure if I lived across the country, I would not have a car right now. Uh -huh. But... There's a couple, if you do have a vehicle, there's a couple things that you got to do when you're on your own that um, maybe your parents took care of for you um, or your parents would remind you to do like mm -hmm. mine did. Yep. So you're supposed to change your oil in your car. Uh, basically, your engine needs oil to uh, lubricate the moving parts so it doesn't get too hot and overheat. That's very much layman's terms, but you get my drift. Mm -hmm. Um, once that oil is used for a certain number of miles, it gets burnt and it doesn't work as efficiently. Mm -hmm. 
So every 5,000 to seven, I mean, to 7,500 miles, um, you need to change your oil. Mm-hmm. And you can do it yourself. Um, I know how to do it myself. My dad taught me. Mm-hmm. But in Billings, it's kind of hard because I don't have a garage to sit in. I don't have my dad to make sure I don't mess it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so usually I just take it to Master Lube um, or Jiffy Lube. Mm-hmm. Uh, those places are great. Um, I think it's like 70 anywhere from like 50 to $70 uh, to just have them take care of it for you. And they'll go and they'll fill up all of your fluids, your washer fluid. Um, they'll vacuum out. Some places they'll vacuum out your floor mats, mm-hmm. which is really nice. Um, yeah, and you just sit there and it takes like 10, 15 minutes. They get you all taken care of and you're good to go for another 5,000 miles, which is awesome. And they also give you a sticker. When you go in, they give you a sticker and you put it uh, they put it on your windshield on the inside on the top left corner mm-hmm. and that'll show you the mileage um, once your car reach that, reaches that mileage on the sticker mm-hmm. you need to go in and get another oil change mm-hmm. so it's fairly simple it's a very pleasant experience honestly I go to the one on the heights um, they're always super duper friendly they know my car <laughs> I'm like a regular it's insane I'm actually kind of blown away that they remember who I am honestly like oh. I would one time I took my boyfriend's pickup to get an oil change, mm-hmm. and they remembered me, mm-hmm. and they're like, because I was in my car, and they're like, you get a new car? I was like, I've been here one time. How do you guys remember me? Yep. <laughs> or I brought my boyfriend's pickup back again. They're like the usual. I was like, because you, you guys like have a record. I'm sure they have a record, but oh, like, yeah. how? Just top top of your head, do you remember me? It's insane. Yeah. But no, they do a really really good job. So. That makes just ma- makes it a lot easier. And again, it only takes like 20 minutes tops. Mm-hmm. So another thing you need to do if you have a car is you need to check your oil. So this you need to change your oil and you need to regularly check your oil. And um, if you don't know how to do that, I suggest you look up a YouTube video. It's really easy. There's a little um, like, I don't know how to describe it. A dipstick. That's what they're called. Yeah. <laughs> I think a dipstick. And you pull it out, you wipe it off with the paper towel, and then you stick it back in, and then you pull it out again to look at where your oil's at. Mm-hmm. And, oh man. And some cars burn oil faster than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just it's all about getting to know your car and, um, you know, what it needs to run efficiently. And if you do those two things, your car will last you a lot longer than if you don't do them. You have to take care of it. And same as your body, you have to take care of that machine and it'll it'll take care of you. Yep. Um, I usually check my oil. I don't check it as much as I should. Um, you're supposed to check it at least once a month, mm-hmm. preferably more often. Um, I usually check it before I go on long road trips. Mm-hmm. So I went to Malta this weekend. Um, I checked it before I left. And it's just a simple, easy thing, preventative measure you can take to ensure that your car is going to get you where you need to go. So, when you move into your own place, you have to clean it. And it's funny because in college, you can usually tell who grew up having to do chores and who grew up didn't do, didn't, not doing chores, yep. you know? Like, I had chores, and I'm just, like, kind of a clean person in general. I mean, I get messy sometimes. Everybody does, but I like to keep things pretty clean. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just getting on a cleaning schedule that works for you is really helpful, uh, when it comes to just keeping your space clean. I remember when I was in the dorms, um, every Sunday, I would like mop my floor, do all my laundry, and just dedicate my whole day to cleaning. Mm-hmm. 
And now that I live in an apartment, I can't really do that very much anymore because I'm usually pretty busy on yep. Sundays. Oh, yeah. So I've had to like break it up a little bit and almost just do it where I can. Mm -hmm. I still do laundry on Sundays, majority, but usually it doesn't get folded to like Mondays or Tuesdays, if yeah. I'm being honest. Yeah, it's like moving out and being on your own, you have all these new responsibilities. And even if they're just little ones, um, learning to manage them mm -hmm. can make your life a lot easier and just more efficient in general, for sure. Oh, yeah. Cooking and eating is a thing that a lot of college students struggle with, for sure. I know I have friends that eat ramen for dinner every night. And ramen's delicious. It's not very healthy for you. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like fake uh, noodles. But I I love ramen. I do. Just not a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to focus on... Um, Quality over quantity. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I want to say. But I'm trying to think, like, everything in... What's it called? When you only do things that you really like to do once in a while because they're bad for you. Moderation. Yep. <laughs> Everything in moderation. I should make a compilation of all the brain farts we have on this show, honestly. Yep. <laughs> yes, everything in moderation. If you love ramen, um, maybe don't eat it every single meal. Uh, you're probably going to get a tummy ache, and you're going to be lacking a lot of major nutrients that your body needs. If you're in the dorms, it's really easy because you got the calf, and you can just you know, walk down and swipe your U-card and get some food. Now the quality of the food is questionable at times. I'll be the first to admit it, but right. it's better than, you know, ramen every single day. So just it all comes down to getting to know yourself, getting to know your habits, getting to know what you like. Um, one of my vices is I love classy and sassy mm -hmm. coffee. Yep. Or I love their chargers, like their Red Bull chargers. Mm -hmm. And I only allow myself to get it like once a week. Because they're like $8 for a drink. It's crazy. Ooh. But, um, yeah, if you just moderate that intake, and it's a lot of sugar, too, because it's mm. a Red Bull. Yep. And then you got added syrups and stuff like that. So it's a lot of not healthy things for you. Yeah. Uh, but everything in moderation really makes, makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. And when I say everything in moderation, I mean everything. Like, too much of any good thing is a bad thing. Too much of water can flush all the sodium out of your blood, and you can pass out. Oh, yeah. I had to look that up once because I drink a lot of water. <laughs> so, you know, go easy on yourself when it comes to eating habits. Do your best. Uh, you're going to get through it. We all believe in you. Um, nothing quite hits just as good as a home-cooked meal, though, right? Yep. Sure. Like when my dad makes food at home, oh, nothing beats it. Yeah. <laughs> my dad's a great cook. Another thing that you have to do. Not really when you start adulting, but more when you start working. Mm -hmm. I mean, I started working when I was 16 or 15, whatever the age is. As soon as I could, I started because all my friends were working. and all my fr I'm a year younger for my grade, yeah. so a lot of my friends were already doing stuff. Mm -hmm. I had to wait a year to get my driver's license, all that good stuff. It sucked. But um, paying your taxes is something that uh it's it's really nice actually and mm. it's it's very intimidating for sure i found the best way to do it is to just go on h and r block yep. and well, well the first step is you got to gather all your w-2s yep. so if you've worked a lot of jobs like i have over the past 
uh, the year of 2021. So this year in April, April 15th is the day taxes are due. Yeah. Um, this year you'll be doing your taxes for last year. So for 2021's taxes. Yeah. So everywhere you worked in 2021, mm-hmm. you need a W-2 for. Yeah. So um, where did I work in 2021? Definitely Starbucks. I worked for the police station. I worked for the retort. I think I might have worked for the city of Billings as a coach. So I'm going to have to gather all four of those W-2s, and I'm going to have to input them into H&R Block. And you can actually uh, take pictures of your W-2s and just upload them there. It makes it very easy, and they'll just upload all the information they see Mm -hmm. and um, walk you through it, basically the entire process. Mm -hmm. And then you get a check um, mailed to you. Uh, you get two checks. You get a federal check and a state check. Yep. So they're going to, if you don't pay taxes, if you're, I think it's if you're claimed on somebody else's taxes, mm-hmm. like my parents claim me, yep. so I don't have to pay those taxes. Yep. But they automatically come out of my paycheck, mm-hmm. every single paycheck. Yep. So in order to get that money back, you have to apply. Mm-hmm. And if you don't apply, they're just going to keep your money. So don't let them do that. <laughs> Make sure to do that. I mean, I'm telling you, H&R Block makes it so easy. So simple. Get it done in like maybe 30 minutes and it's over with. You know, you don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. How do you do your taxes, Jordan? No, no, since I've been working for the school ever since I got here, it pretty much makes it so much easier since I said all my my W2s are basically uploaded onto my my info.com. Oh. And that's how I pretty much. That is nice. Yeah. So pretty much it's easy for me to get my W2 forms and also the school also also pretty much announced me my official W2 forms as well. Mm-hmm. That and makes it easy. And I usually, since I'm basically claimed also, so so in which case, for me, I do basically do my taxes back home since I have a place back home that does my taxes. Oh, really? You get, you like hire a person to do them for you? Yep. That's nice. So I mean, all I gotta do is just email. All I gotta do is just basically email, email them. That's super convenient. Email, email my taxes to my, email my taxes to the person who mm-hmm. I work with and then, and then they basically call me, call me if they need annual paperwork as well, and it's basically the same place where my, where my family does their taxes as well. So, so it makes it super easier as uh-huh. as the person who, who does my taxes also knows my family. So I'll be like, oh, all right, oh, you're such and such son. Uh-huh. All right, let me do your taxes as well since your mom does your yep. taxes over here too. So, so it's pretty much like a family thing. Nice. Yeah, no, you can always yeah hire someone to do them for you if you're just overwhelmed and you don't want to figure it out. That works. Yeah. But you can do it for yourself, and it's free. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's tons of websites where you can do it. Uh, I've only ever used H&R Block. It works for me, so I use it every year. Oh, yeah. And it gets the job done. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's all we have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening if you've made it this far. Make sure you follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Facebook for more updates. And I guess we'll see you guys next week. Yep.